couple weeks ago, uh, I had a Sabbath day. Sarah and I, uh, in, in good seasons, in the seasons we're able to make it work, we try to give each other a Sabbath every other week. So we take turns on Mondays getting a full day away, uh, just to rest and be with God. And, um, and this two weeks ago, uh, White Pass had snow for the first time of the year. And if you don't know, uh, we've gotten pretty into snowboarding and skiing recently, and we love White Pass. We love being up there. That is just, uh, uh, you know, a little little glimpse of heaven for me. And so when I saw snow on the ground, I figured I needed to, to get up there and just check out the terrain. I just wanted to be near uh, what I'll be doing so much here in uh, about a month. And uh, so I went up to White Pass, and there's a lake right up there at the summit. And, uh, and I, I parked my Jeep in the snow, and I got set up for uh, two nights, a full day away, uh, snow camping and staying at White Pass. And uh, I didn't sleep at all the first night, which is not unusual, uh, but uh, I got up the next morning, uh, and the sun had just peaked over the, the mountaintop. And uh, it's hard to get up when snow camping. I don't know if you've ever done this. Uh, it's really hard to get out as a sleeping bag uh, in the snow and get started. Um, so I didn't get an early start. I, I let the sun kind of dictate my schedule that day. And, uh, and, I, and I got out of my bag, and I'm, I'm bundled up, and, and I made my coffee and, and, uh, and some hot breakfast. And uh, I, I sat down in front of the lake, uh, looking out over the lake, the mountain, and began to watch the sun move across the sky for the next four hours. And um, as I was away on Sabbath a couple weeks ago, I was thinking about what I'd be speaking on this week. Uh, typically, we're in a series. We just finished 10 months or so in the Gospel of John, and, and typically that's what we're doing, but we had a couple weeks here uh, just for one-offs and topical sermons and things like that. And, uh, and so I sat there uh, for about four hours uh, just experiencing the lake and waiting to hear something from God. What's interesting is about the only thing I heard all day uh, was uh, helicopters and military planes swooping through uh, just like so low, incredible. So we're speaking about end times today. No, that's not true. Um, that's not true. But that is the only thing I heard while I was there. I waited to hear from God, and I just didn't hear much other than military uh, vehicles. What I experienced and said was something remarkable. It took me quite a while to realize that, that God was with me, not uh, vocally in that moment, uh, but instead, uh, God was there and present as I experienced the warmth of the sun. It was about two hours in that I had to go and dig through my car for something I did not pack, but fortunately was in my console, a little bottle of sunscreen, because I was getting sunburnt in 27-degree weather uh, that morning. I experienced the warmth of the sun. I experienced the light that had come into this place. And from a night that was spent in utter darkness, in a cold, cold, dark space, I find myself sitting there, warmed by the sun. Today I want to talk about light, and I want to do a biblical overview on the subject of light. Uh, I I want to ask of Scripture, you know, what do you have for us on this subject of light? It only seems natural to begin in the beginning. Did you know light is one of the very first subjects found in Scripture? Genesis 
chapter 1, verse 1. There's a, it's, a, it's a big big book, that Bible you're holding in front of you. Uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover, so dig in with me. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated light from darkness. And he called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning on the first day. What we read here, uh, the creation account, and it'll go on through Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Go back and read it. It's so fascinating and beautiful. Uh, What we experience in the text is probably something slightly different than uh, original hearers and tellers of this story would have experienced. You see, what we read here is a remarkable bit of poetry and narrative beautifully crafted to tell a story about God. And what we probably don't realize is this uh, creation narrative uh, stood in stark contrast to the stories of creation and gods of other nations in the ancient world. Uh, You see, this story uh, tells a story of a God who creates in his own image, a God who walks with humanity, a God who invites humanity to care for and participate in his good creation. If you know anything about uh, Greek mythology and gods, you know gods don't operate like that, right? Uh, Israel had this beautiful story to tell about a God who lovingly created and walked with humanity in a peaceful garden together. And so, uh, this creation narrative begins with the story of light coming into the world. God who said, let there be light. Now, another thing we miss in this text is that uh, in in the ancient world and in the Hebrew this language was written in, uh, there's significant meaning uh, prior to God speaking light into the world. It speaks of the deep, and it speaks of the waters. You see, in the ancient world, the one thing that was absolutely untamable in creation was the seas, the waters. So water always represented chaos, uh, a place of distrust, of disorder. And so we see God here hovering over over a chaotic world. The Spirit of God is hovering over the chaos. And then God speaks light into the darkness. The Hebrew word for light here is or. It's O-H-R is how it's pronounced. And it means light, but it is describing something far beyond just physical light versus darkness. No, what it's describing here is light coming into the world to heal a part of the chaos. And in fact, all of this creation narrative talks about God bringing order to chaos. That's what's happening. He brings it to the skies and to the land, and then he populates the land. God is bringing order from the chaos, is what this text is describing for us. And one of those elements, the first element of order in the chaos, is God calling light into the world. This untamable seas, now at least there is light shining upon them, and the darkness has been pushed back. Now, light continues to be a relevant theme throughout the Old Testament and Israel's story. And how could it not be? Um, You see, uh, we live in a world in which you flip a switch and lights come on. Understand, most of history has not lived that way, nor does a lot of the world still today. Uh, We've become, I think, complacent and just, it's incredibly ordinary to have as much light as I want whenever I want. But if you do some 
camping or backpacking, you know that it can feel very different out there in the world. Occasionally, we have a power outage, and you know how, how strange and eerie it feels to not be able to light your home easily. You see, the ancient world, Israel, lived in a world in which light was a difficult commodity to come by in the dark. You'd have to have candles. You'd have to have oil. You would have to have supplies to produce light. They live in a world of this polarity between light and and darkness. And so it becomes a very significant metaphor throughout Scripture, light and darkness. It's symbolic of good and evil. It's symbolic of salvation. We sang a couple songs that dealt with that. Thank you, Sally, for for pulling those in, Uh, that we could consider some of those themes of light and darkness, of salvation and life represented by light in Scripture. And of course, the polar opposite, darkness represented throughout Scripture as well. One example of that is found in Psalm 119. So still these ancient texts. <clears throat> and the author of Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light to my path. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. I've heard descriptions of this, uh, some even claiming uh, the reason the language is used is that on a dark path, uh, having lamps that couldn't produce a lot of light, they would literally tie them to their legs, and you could see only as far as that next step in front of you. Uh, That's how they would light a path. I'm not sure that's accurate or not. They very well might be holding a lantern and walking, but can you imagine yourself on a dark, dark path? walking with only a little bit of light to light your next few steps. You can only see in front of you a few steps. I I have this image in my head as I was reflecting on this text of like, a foggy night and someone walking down a path. And if, if you were removed from that, looking at them, you'd see this kind of dome of light, right? Pushing out the darkness. It's almost the same. Yeah, I was seeing this, this story of uh, the creation account and God bringing light into the world. And what this author is saying is that, God, Scripture, your word uh, is a light for my path. This little dome pushing out the darkness that I can see that next step in my life. So today we look at, at, at light, and we're just doing a biblical overview. Throughout the Old Testament and Israel's history, uh, light is a significant metaphor. Continually speaking of God's word or God in our life bringing light. The story of light, of course, develops remarkably in the life of Jesus. Now, we just finished um, a series in the Gospel of John, but I am going to pull from John uh, again in these texts because John is very specific. He's, uh, of, of the four Gospel authors, uh, the one that speaks the most of this metaphor of life. So, in fact, he begins his Gospel, John chapter 1, verse 1, uh, on this theme of light. Uh, And he begins, like we did today, in the beginning back at creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. We'll soon realize that as he speaks of the Word, he's speaking of Jesus. Uh, Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only to witness the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This is how John starts his gospel account, speaking of Jesus in terms of light coming into this world. It's a fascinating movement as I, as I look at this theme of light in Scripture to see God speaking light into chaos to bring order. 
And now we see the story of Jesus, born into Israel, born into a chaotic world in which Israel is a vassal state under Rome, experiencing all sorts of persecution, no longer a sovereign nation, waiting for a Messiah and a king. And God brings Jesus light into this world who would bring order into the chaos. So John begins here uh, describing Jesus as the light. In John chapter 8, we see Jesus' own words speaking of himself as the light. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, "Um, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Consistently throughout Scripture, light and life are equated. And we see Jesus uh, drawing that same parallel. Walking in the way of Jesus gives light and gives life. Uh, now, this is very practical in many senses, that, that light would be associated with life. Think of an agricultural society, a society in which they had to grow their food to feed their families. Without light, that was entirely impossible. So you would wake up in the morning and go out to your fields and be very thankful for the sun that was shining again that day, because without light, there was no life in their community. Um, But here in the text, Jesus, and throughout Scripture, uh, we find this spiritual parallel that light is life and that Jesus is our light, that when we follow in his way, when we learn to walk in his way, we receive his light and we receive life. So we need light. And yet John also highlights for us in John chapter 3, verse 19, that many of us hide from the light. And this is an interesting twist in the study on the subject of light. We know we need light. We know light brings life. We know we want to walk with Jesus, and yet sometimes we hide from the light. Uh, John describes it beautifully in this way. This is the verdict. Light has come into this world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Now, this speaks in pretty radical terms of evil people avoiding the light, but if I'm honest, I've experienced this in my own life. I'll bet you we all have. How many people have I talked with about faith, people coming to faith? And, and, you know, there's always those things that we keep hidden in dark corners, right? And we even pretend like we can keep those from God, which is incredibly ironic, because God who is light, there is no darkness. Uh, God sees and knows everything. But those things that we just keep, try to keep hidden in dark corners, even from God, And John speaks to that in this text. Uh, He speaks to this idea that that God is light, and and yet we hide from that light, wanting to hide things away in our life. Uh, For the past 18 months or so, I I was in an academy of spiritual formation. We were meeting at a monastery every six months and and, uh, meeting in, in triads and reading and studying and one of the really significant realities um, that, that developed in my prayer life and, and throughout the flow of, the, of this course um, was an invitation to bring our whole selves to God. And I will tell you it's counterintuitive, right? To, to really bring all of me, all the rawness that God already knows about, all the sin that God already knows about, but to 
be willing to be open and vulnerable and real with God, just coming as myself instead of who I'd like to project myself to be before God. And that's what John is speaking of in this text. Of course, there's extreme cases as well, but in each of our lives, what I hope we'd hear in here is an invitation to know that God who is light invites us to let light shine in those dark places that we might receive, what does light bring? That we might receive life. Instead of dark corners hidden away, bring this stuff to God and invite him to shine light on it and give us new life in that process. Now, throughout the New Testament, as it goes on, uh, Paul will write about life and or light, and we don't have time to go into that. But, but throughout the New Testament, uh, metaphors of light have to do with things like life and death, good and evil, truth and falsehood, uh, God's kingdom versus the devil's kingdom. Again, over and over we find in this text that God is bringing light into this world. Jesus, who is light, invites us to walk in his way, that we would find life, that we would find goodness, that we would find truth, that we would participate in God's kingdom here on earth. That is the metaphor of light throughout the New Testament. So we've made two movements so far in Scripture, and there's one final to make. Uh, The first had to do with creation, Uh, the idea that light was bringing order amongst chaos. Secondly, we see God sending Jesus into the world, Jesus, God, coming into the world as light, again, bringing chaos into the disorder that existed. And finally, we find this movement, and we'll begin in Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What a fascinating shift. As I look at the story of light through Scripture, light bringing order amongst chaos, Jesus is the light of the world. This all feels very natural and proper, and then the author Matthew says, you are the light of the world, that we are intended to shine in this world that brings order amongst the chaos. What a bold and wild claim. You are the light of this world. And yet, if I'm honest, I'm not a stellar example of light. Like, I can't represent all that God or Jesus is. What what in the world would I do with a text like this? You might have heard the statement, certainly if you were alive in the 80s or 90s and listening to DC Talk, but the the leading cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who claim God with their mouths and deny Him with their lives, something along those lines. You get the idea, like, how am I the light in the world and what in the world am I shining that would bring people closer to God as opposed to further from them? Thankful for 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, that gives us a little more detail on how we might understand ourselves as light in this world. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure, this knowledge, this light, we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that all this surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. 
So uh, this gets really practical for me. It it gets a lot easier to understand this movement uh, from God who is light and speaking light into the world, from Jesus who is light, and now this idea, you are light. But this light that we are in the world is not in and of ourselves, right? Anything I can project, uh, anything I can demonstrate of my own ability in this world, that's not what this is talking about. What the text is speaking of and, and what we're exploring in this moment is we are the light of the world. That is, God has placed his light in our hearts. God's light is within us. And there's this really interesting verse that can be a little bit confusing, but I think is really remarkable and beautiful in verse 7 there as he describes this light is placed in us, uh, jars of clay. It's a fragile vessel. It's a cracked vessel. It's nothing strong that would protect the light or anything like that. Now, what he describes is we are this kind of fragile and broken vessel. And yet, out of those cracks, God's light is able to shine into the world. It's an entirely different perspective than the perspective that we might get saying, see, I need to look really good. I need to do things really proper. I need to put on a really good show so that people can see God shining through me. That's not at all what the author describes here. Instead, he describes God who is light shining out through even our brokenness that the world might see. I want to be uh, really real here. I'm embarrassed to be associated with, with what Christianity is called in our nation, uh, with the way it's represented in politics. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty embarrassed to be associated with that. Um, and let me just say, our light is not shining very beautifully uh, in this nation and in the world. Uh, but I don't say that as a guilt trip to, to Christianity as a whole or to us in the room. Simply to say it to say, uh, I think we can do better. Uh, and that's, again, not of our own willpower that we would do better, I think maybe we could be a little more vulnerable. I think maybe we could be a little bit more real. I think maybe we could ask a few more questions and then instead of assert as though we have all the answers. I think as we start to soften and be a little bit more real, I think God's light gets to shine a little bit more beautifully in in our communities, in our households, in our workplaces. You see, the movement of Scripture on the subject of light is this. God brought light Uh, to dispel chaos. God brought Jesus to bring order into a chaotic world, and now God has brought you into your neighborhood, into your workplace, that you might shine his light, that you might partner with him in bringing some order and some hope in the chaos around us. Let's pray about that. God, thank you for this day and an opportunity to be together, and in a text, uh, in in a, a biblical theme that is beautiful and heavy. Uh, Spirit, we invite you uh, just to work in us, that we might recognize uh, a little more fully uh, the light that you have placed inside of us, uh, that we might feel, God, the warmth of your presence, Spirit, the warmth of your presence in our life, and that we might be compelled uh, to participate with you, to partner with you in shining light in a dark world. God, I pray that you will push back the darkness in our community, push back the darkness in this world. Uh, God, uh, help us to, to accurately um, and vulnerably reflect the light that you have given to us and the light that you're designed, desiring to bring into this world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.